0: This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Vogue. Hi everyone, my name's Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod, and with me, as always, is Maxwell Vogue. Hey Joris, how are you doing today? I'm really well, I'm really well, how are you? I'm good, I'm very good. It's so September. It's the beginning of the new month, the end of
1: summer. Fall is here. So, you know, let's do yeah. some additive manufacturing. Who do we have on the 3D pod today?
0: Well, we've got uh, Dr. Gerald uh, uh He is the uh, founder of Incas 3D. Yeah. And Incas uh, is not a PR agency. Uh, <laughs> there's an Incus <laughs> PR agency, three D but no, this is Incus is a company that's kind of like a spin-out of Litos. I guess. Litos is a... Uh, Vienna-based company that commercialized what I call slurry SLA, uh, and they do it for ceramics, and IncaCity is essentially doing it for metals. And these slurry SLA processes, you know, uh, a vat polymerization process to print a part, which is, then the metal parts in it are then later, uh, well, you debind that part, and later on, you know, you're left with a, bu- uh, a, a built part. I explained that horribly wrong. Uh, so Gerald, don't do a better <laughs> job of explaining yes. <laughs> the technology in a bit, but, uh, but um, so essentially uh, what, what it is is it's a, it's a, it's a process to make relatively uh, cost-effective, effective, Quite small parts that have really, really good surface detail and also really good internal detail uh, because the the support kind of washes out. So it's something you know, think medical instruments, crowns, things for maybe some aerospace, some like, kind of like not maybe also well, some micro printing things. Think stuff like heat sinks and stuff like this. So that, that's the kind of things that they do. So so Gerald, yeah, I, I completely made a hash of explaining your technology. So welcome to the show. <laughs> No problem. I know, know. and yeah. I, I swear I know. So, so explain it. To me. How does it work? How does it work?
1: Yeah, first of all, hello, everybody. Thanks uh, for inviting me to the podcast. Uh, it's great to be here and it's great to introduce Inkus. Uh, there's nothing left to say. Uh, you, Jersey, you explained it uh, in the perfect detail. So, yeah, but what, what we're doing at Inkus, uh, we are a technology provider. Uh, so, we build 3D printers based on lithography, as you explained it, uh, the wet photopolymerization process, so we built the 3D printers, and also we supplied uh, photoreactive material. So in our case, it's a feed. we call it feedstock, uh, similar to metal injection molding, and our feedstock consists of a photopolymer binder system and MIM-grade metal injection molding-grade metal powder. And as you said, it's a based process, so with the 3d printer similar to what followers of this podcast are no binder jetting or metal fdm or metal fff processes you create the so-called green part and then afterwards you need a a binding and sintering process to uh, create the final metal properties of the part so that's the incus process in a nutshell so we as i said we supply the technology we are not the part producer it's also, we are not so much uh, an engineering company. I always classify ourselves as being a more material provider, a materials company, because the engineering, that's kind of the referee in a football game. It needs to function. It needs to work. It shouldn't be a big issue. However, the photopolymer materials, the metal materials, this is the, the feedstock system that needs to work. And that's essential for the final metallic properties.
0: And so first a little bit about like how did you get started in... Uh, and in 3D printing, because you were a researcher, right? You're a mechanical engineer and a researcher, and you kind of, um, and you ended up getting well, working for Litos first, right?
1: I got hooked on additive in 2008. I joined the research group uh, of the Vienna University of Technology of Professor Jürgen Stample, Uh and I joined there as a, a master student. And he put me in charge of. Uh, we had one of the first EnvisionTech tech printers uh, in in Europe. That was quite cool at the institute, and I was in charge of it. It was kind of the machine was just standing in the in the corner, was creating some dust, and it had the red raising all over the spindles. And my task was hey, repair it. We need to we need to print some parts with it. So uh, that was my first introduction into additive. And then we also get an old object printer, kind of uh, inkjet, how do you call it? Uh, the the proper term, you know, the old mm. object systems.
0: Polyjet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Thanks. Yeah.
1: And that also was the same. The, the computer wasn't working anymore. The spindles were kind of worn out. So and the the goal was hey, repair it. And then uh, I did. Had there you was, heard uh, of this
0: technology before you went to go repair? No, it. no,
1: no, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> so that's why I was uh, at mechanical engineering. Uh, that was my, my masters, and that that's why it fit to it. But it was learning by doing. Yeah, and then I did my master. Uh, it was because based on. Uh, the lithography based technology we built first prototypes of a lithography based printer we call it the blue printer system at the vienna university of technology and there they developed their ceramic printing process which was the technology foundation of uh, lithos so as you explain juries lithos is the mother company of incus uh, lithos as was founded in 2011 and they're doing the 3d printing based on lithography of technical ceramics. And after my uh, PhD at the Vienna University of Technology, my PhD was kind of combining lithography and inkjet, so uh, printing crowns, bridges, layer by layer, and selectively coloring them in one go. So between the layers, we jetted color. So at the final sintering stage, you already get the crown, which is 3D printed and colored in one go. So that was a very cool project, and yeah, for then on I was uh, very hooked on, on additive manufacturing. Yeah, then joined Litos for uh, I think it was four or three years in total, uh, also uh, as a project manager for some for two research projects, European research project, and in one research project we developed uh, or we tried to print metal powder with the Litos system. Uh, the Litos system is similar to what you have on the regular form lab system, so it's a uh, bottom-up approach the, the light source or the polymerization unit laser or the uh, projector unit is on the bottom and polymerizes uh, the, the parts through the t- transparent red from below and kind of the parts are built uh, upside down layer by layer we tried that with metal powders and it didn't work at all so we had to come up with something new and we built the first prototype to to make it work and that's uh, and that four prototypes later, basically we found it in because that was long story short.
0: And why did you, could, cause it could have, we, Litos could have kept this as kind of like another product line or a different printer or something. Why did you make the decision to just say, you know what, this is going to be a different company?
1: The main decision was Litos is quite unique when it comes to the ceramic printing process, but on the metal additive side, you have a lot of competitors out there, especially Larger companies in the U.S., uh, the big binder chatting guys. So we we decided to take a different approach. Uh, we got some seed funding from AM Ventures. That's quite a good, uh, I would say, uh, name in additive manufacturing. That's the uh, investment arm of Dr. Hans Langer, the founder of EOS. So they we got them hooked on the idea of founding Incus. They provided the seed money, and then we decided, okay, we need to give it some more traction. We need to catalyze the development and you you have the saying how's it correctly? Energy flows where focus goes. So we were just focused on metal three D printing and that's why the development got uh, mm-hmm. yeah, got got actually started.
0: Well so so where would you say your area of playing is? So where do you wanna play in metal? What are, are there any applications or types of parts or materials that you really really care about or
1: So what we are doing at INCUS, or the technology we provide, we combine the good properties of lithography, which is great surface aesthetics or low surface roughness, and the high complexity of the parts you can create. I mean, you see it with the lithography or even with the uh, hobby lithography printers at home, you can create very astonishing parts. And LITOS did that for ceramic materials. And now... Incus will uh, is doing that for for metal parts, and our USP, our really our unique feature is when it comes to smaller, complex parts that that need more detail, uh, especially for yeah medical purposes like endoscopic devices. We are just having a, a project going on with a development partner where we print the tip of an endoscopic device uh, so it's it's kind of a camera head which is then uh, and the small camera is inserted plus a few extra cables and, and gadgets and then it's uh, yeah and obviously it needs to be small and complex to be inserted into the body and that is I think a very great application for our technology because this is where uh, other technologies fail I mean our biggest I would say, competitor, I would say, is the, the binder jetting process, the other synth based technologies. And with lithography, we really have a unique, uh,
0: yeah, unique cell proposition. Okay. Because the thing is, it's interesting that a lot of people seem to think that like either binder jet will win or, you know what I mean? Or, <laughs> or the bound metal is kind of sucky or something. But if I look at it, it from. It could be only one. Yeah, actually, no, but that, that's kind of what people understand. This is like Betamax or something, right? So it's like, like one standard will win. And to me, if I'm looking at it from a client perspective or if I help clients and stuff, we always end up in saying, like, you know, bond metal, for example, or the, with a the filament-bound metal process, that's great for, like, kind of wrench-type tools, but it's not yeah. going to work if you need detail. Then you need binder jetting, and binder jetting is not going to work if the part kind of collapses in and on itself, for example. Uh, then maybe you can use mantle or something like that. Um, you know if you really need copper if you really need internal uh part quality then hollow am is better uh and then if you need like uh for example well the slurry SLA processes are, are the same actually so that, that would also work for those relatively small parts and then some parts have a better wall thickness than other ones so you know for us it's like you know looking from the outside in it's 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 you know fabricate works but only for certain cases so yeah. it's 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 much more like a menu you know do you see it like that too it's like just it's just yeah. about finding exactly the right thing or
1: yeah, of course. I mean, coming from the metal additive manufacturing world, we know that there is uh, an application for most or all of the technologies out there. So it's really we complement each other. I think. I think with metal FDM or the FFF process, we don't really have too much overlap. We have a bigger, let's say, par- call it let's call it part overlap with with binder jetting because we certainly can print larger parts as well uh, as the binder jetting guys can do. Um, of course, then we need to match them in, in terms of uh, print speed, which we at next form next, week, we're going to show a larger machine, which we will then be competitive and that with that as well. But our really the niche, which we are focusing on at the moment, because their print speed is not, let's say, the most important factor. It's really you want the functional part is when it comes to small and complex parts that also have a, um, a, a good mechanical properties or good, good microstructure of the of the metal.
0: And uh, does that mean...
1: 3D printing processes are definitely complementary.
0: But then do you, do you see yourself like... I, lo- I love the the, the the medical medical device to me. is, is just huge and unexplored. It's always going to get smaller and more accurate. And the volumes are there and the quality. Is it for that kind of stuff? Do you automatically then get drawn into kind of more high-quality stuff? Uh, my favorite application at the moment, and
1: I hope we can... I uh, always... Uh, if you if you follow us a little bit on our social media activities we, we post a lot of uh, dental applications lately and I hope we can really we are working with uh, with a production partner to set up a production process for dental brackets LITOS already has achieved that for for ceramic brackets and we are hopefully doing the same soon with uh, with with metal uh, metal brackets so those are really small complex pieces that also uh yeah, need to be highly functional and obviously needs to fulfill the mechanical criteria you need for those, for those application.
0: And then, and then what are some other applications you like them? Because I, I'm, uh, I like any kind of complex mechanical stuff now. It's like really, uh, so <laughs> do you have more stuff like that or? Do you... <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, sure, uh,
1: one, uh, we have one customer that's uh, we allowed to name that's uh, Micromim in Japan. That's uh, yeah, our first Asian machine uh, near Osaka, and their focus is obviously metal injection molding, but on a very microscopic level. Uh, it's and the one application we have with them, uh, we are not allowed to name their customer. It's uh, as an injector uh, chamber into a, a it's an a, a gas injector into a combustion chamber. So that's that's the right uh, word for it, and they. And here the, the properties, uh, the assembly is the is the big feature we are we are solving with this part. So typically, this part was made out of four pieces. So you had the, 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 the body of the injector, and you had four tiny nozzles that were kind of uh, welded soldered into this into this body. It was a kind of special uh, nozzle design to. Uh, I'm not a gas flow expert in this, but uh, to to really create a good mixture of of the burning gases. So in this case, we just printed it as one part. You save the assembly and you're able to add some extra features in it that would not be possible with conventional manufacturing. And here, if you gain this extra benefit in additive manufacturing, then that's a great application.
0: I like this very much. I love nozzles generally, like expansion nozzles, foaming nozzles, any kind of nozzle for, for any kind of industrial extrusion process. Are are you trying to get more business in like this application focus or, or? Yeah,
1: we we all in additive manufacturing. I think we are looking for the right application for our technologies, and yeah. this is what we are generally doing with our customers. If if we see that there's great interest, we uh, we set our application engineers on it, and we try to develop the application together with uh, with, with our development partner. Then. And then hopefully at one point we can convince the higher ups to then invest and really uh, look into the, the technology in more detail and then ideally buy a machine. And the machine is only there because that's the one thing. No? You only need, you don't need, just the 3D printer, you really need the whole production chain. yeah. And that's also the sintering furnace. So it's never just, uh, it's only the binding and sintering. So it's really a profession almost by itself. And there's a certain learning curve you need to uh, you need to consider when when investing in any sinter-based technologies, not just with our lithography technology, also you have the same in FFF and uh, binder jetting. As soon as you need some sintering, that's another special topic you need to consider. And then and, post-processing uh, on top of that, right? Like you still well, have Of course, to... post... Uh, post <laughs> it's it's also only symbolic. I mean, they, you also have those small steps in between that the dirty steps nobody's talking about. Now you have the, the de-caking or the, the depowdering of the parts uh, from from the print bed. Then you maybe have some extra cleaning step. Then you need to put them into the, the binding and sintering furnace. Then maybe you need to cut off uh, supports in our case, we have a support-free uh, printing process, but maybe you need sintering support. So that's also an aspect you need to consider. So you have the freedom in design, but that doesn't mean you can be ignorant in the design. So you really need to design the part for for additive, or, for that certain um, additive manufacturing system or technology you're actually using.
0: It seems like really exciting, but also really dangerous because you're a startup, you don't have infinite resources, but it seems like the sales cycles are gonna be super long, right? That's uh,
1: there are some positive, uh, let's say, uh, circumstances. Some some um, yeah, some positive occasions when we had really. Very short uh, sales, like especially at the end of the year when you have a research companies and they say, "Okay, we need uh, to get rid of a little bit of investment money." <laughs> then, that, that's that's <laughs> then good, of course good for us. Uh, that's that's what we want as a startup. But in general, yes, the sales cycles are relatively long, and we are thinking about one-year cycles. That's that's the typical thing for us.
0: Because the thing is, like, how do you choose which people to proceed with at what speed or what resources you put out? Because that, I think, is always a risk in such a big, uh, like, a small company or relatively small company dealing with like sometimes bigger companies. Like, you know, if you're dealing with a corporate, maybe they just say, "Oh, we'll do it next yeah. quarter," and then all of a sudden, oh, you wrecked your financial year. You know.
1: Mm. Yeah, we typically charge uh, for for the development work as well, and then you clearly see. Okay, is it just uh, uh, some some. Uh, if, if there's really some actual interest behind this this application or is the cu- customer really interested to finance the development work as well. So, uh, first of all, when we really started Inclus, we, we did work for free, but after the first wave of interest, we said, okay, we we are, let's say we are picking out the most promising battles. And that you can really judge then, okay, is it just somebody who wants to see, okay, what what, what the technology can do because if the part looks like you can ideally mimic it or you can use a regular milling or turning operations then why do additive so that's that if it doesn't make sense then uh, we we really sort out those those applications as well and um uh, yeah don't focus on on the more demanding
0: ones and how do you then get the attention? How do you get these customers in, in the first place then? But I, I love, by the way, the idea of getting them to pay for it. I know people that don't do that, and you always have a risk, like you said. Like you have some tire kicker guy who's just curious, and, and yeah, it doesn't go anywhere uh, for a year, right? But but how do you find like you know your your? How do you find the leads? So how do you get people interested in, in in you in the first place?
1: Yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, lead generation. That's the number one topic for marketing. So. That's... <laughs> The uh, we, the, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm an engineer. Uh, yeah. Typically, <laughs> not marketer, my, right? <laughs> I'm not yeah. the number one marketing expert, uh, but I'm, I'm growing into that role a little bit. So as the boss, as the CEO of a company, you are also the, the first marketing uh, person and the first salesperson, especially in a young company. You have many hats on your head. But yeah, we, we are just uh, participating in uh, many international trade fairs. Formnext is obviously one of the biggest one for us, the IMTS trade show uh, in Chicago. Also, there are other very great 3D printing companies like the World uh, PM that has a great 3D printing sector. So yeah, of course, we have to be present there. Uh, and also podcasts like this, uh, thanks for that again. Helps us a lot to get the word about Inclus. Also, of course, you need... And that's one of the most important marketing tools for us as well. LinkedIn to uh, be active on LinkedIn and really reach the the, um, the potential customers or the people who are potentially interested in your technology. So it's kind of this this marketing mix you want to do.
0: Okay. okay. And then if we talk about the technology, I mean, I think I think it is interesting from the definition, the part, kind of the, the sharpness of the part, let's say, if you will, uh, and also just a thing like. I, you know, I love, I love looking at this and saying, okay, the molding, micro molding tips, whatever, that kind of thing. And all these, like, I immediately see a lot of applications there, but it also looks like the technology has a lot of conveyancing in it and a lot of steps, like you mentioned. I mean, are, is it your attempt to, to are you going to automate that or are you just going to stay and make the best box you can, let's say, and start with a printer? Let's say. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, first of all, you cannot repair a mold with it. I know that sometimes uh. your question, sure is. No, no, I meant I meant the I don't tip. Think that's that's usually uh,
0: yeah. my question, actually. Yeah, <laughs> so I thought it was a tooling mold.
1: <laughs> 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 now, in, in this case, uh, you you are asking if you can fill the the build box of, of the part or after printer or what, uh, I didn't
0: 100% No, uh, no uh, what I meant to say is that, that can you, are there's two ways to do it. You could just say like, well, there's a couple of ways, but one is you could just say, hey, look, let's make a better 3D printer, just the box and yeah. whatever, if you use an oven from uh, who or this guy or the other guy, I don't care, right? Or you could say, hey, we make an integrated solution Right? We've got an mm-hmm. oven here and all the equipment. Yeah, okay. Or you could say, like, hey, we make an integrated solution with a robot arm that, you know, does uh, automates yeah, everything. Yeah, so those yeah. are ba- mainly the three bigger options. Yeah. There's tons of other stuff you could be doing. So what are you yes, guys focusing yeah. on? That's said idea.
1: Our focus at the moment or at the first three years of Incus is really focusing on the printer and on the materials for that. And next year, form next, we are going to present uh, an automated cleaning station. So that's that, that's kind of the dirty step I mentioned before. You need to yeah. decake yeah, yeah. the part. In, in 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 this in this regard, the, the decaking of the part or the melting of the feedstock of the what we call it, the butter block. That's kind of the most mesmerizing process in, in 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 our production chain. There are some nice videos available on on YouTube. So, and this you can easily automate because the green parts in, uh, uh compared to the binder jetting, our green parts are quite strong. So the photopolymers are quite rigid. They are, uh, thermosetting, uh, plastics. So they, they have a good strength so it can really automate the process. So we are thinking about, I mean, this is a little bit of, uh, uh too, of, of insight. So. It's an ultrasonic bath system. So you take out the parts, you melt up the block, you have all the parts on your specific tray. You take the tray and put it into bath of the bath with ultrasonic, and maybe do a kind of a dishwasher system. And at the end, you already set them on a on a sintering tray, which then and then that's the kind of the know-how of our metal injection molding customers because we can optimize the process to the green part. And at the moment, the the really the know-how, what happens afterwards, we rely on our partners. So at the moment, we we don't offer a sintering furnace and all the let's say, what what comes after the debinding and sintering, so, uh, but that that's that's something maybe for later on. Now what we want, what we are doing, of course, we advise our partners and and customers on the debinding and sintering. We will provide the sintering curves and, of course, we share our best practices, what worked and. What what might be challenging?
0: And is it, does it mean like do you have any customers that just go like they don't have any MIM and they just say oh we need this so we're going to take this in house or is it really literally people that only that do MIM and then run into the, the powder metallurgy kind of like limits of powder metallurgy and then they start the the switch to you guys or
1: most of our so we shipped about fifteen machines so far mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and most of our customers they have a metal injection molding or a powder metallurgy background so our first customer and also. Uh, very grateful for that. Uh, one of our development partners is the company Matchup or the, uh, the Hochschule, uh, the, the, technical school in, in Pforzheim near Stuttgart, uh, Dr. Professor Carlo Burkhardt. He supported us quite a lot with it at the beginning because me as a engineer just, yeah, we have the green parts and they did the binding and sintering and the first characterization of it. So that helped us a lot in the development. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of the, the, the setup we have for now.
0: Yeah, the biggest thing, so is it kind of scary? Because, like, the biggest thing that would accelerate, like, for example, if everyone could predict the the shrinkage rates of every wall thickness and Mm -hmm. part size and geometry, that would really accelerate your deployment, right? Uh, and also for Litos and also for everyone in the this, in this space, right? Is that something you see happening or do you think it's too difficult? Because I, I have people that have promised me this all the time. Like, oh, software is going to solve that, right? <laughs> and, 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 and I'm like, software's yeah, the nice. best <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's, it's AI, AI, you know? And AI, I'm like, yeah, well, the yeah, MIM yeah, people just... have had a lot of incentive to solve this for like three, four decades now. And I'm like, and they haven't done it. So yeah, I'm like that, a little that's bit that's skeptical. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you also are you also skeptical? Yeah.
1: You just said it before, and it's the same from, from metal injection molding. If the Min people didn't solve it, so why all of a sudden, out of a miracle, it, the, the perfect solution will come for additive or for sinter based. So, mm. but, but it's our experience, pays off to do, to print the part with it, because that's a beauty in additive. You, you print a green part, you do the sintering, and next day you have uh, your, your sintered component, you check the dimensions, that's, that's something you have to work out then with the the partner. Okay, what are the critical dimensions? What are the features that need to be perfect? What are the features that just need to let's say just need to look good? Uh, and then you optimize those features and maybe a, a second or even a third iteration loop. And once you have parts that are quite similar, let's say uh, dental pieces uh, or like crowns and bridges, those those parts are similar. Then you have the already the experience. Say okay, I know what to do. Then I can. Further optimize, but if you really have different wall thicknesses, different geometries, at one point if you have overhangs, you also have the influence of gravity. Simulating that, I think that that's a big, big challenge. I, I'm not saying there won't be a software solution out there, but it's it's. I think it's gonna take a little bit longer until this is really available in a way that that you can do a first time right.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. I think that that's a dream, but I I think to me the big of any of these technologies that so I'm including slurry SLA, but also like um, uh binder jet knowledge generally, I think the real key thing is either that there's so many parts out there already, like uh, have so many tips of things, so many kind of really small mechanical parts uh, nozzles and all this stuff that, that, that already makes a lot of sense, but that's not mm-hmm. kind of the utopic vision you could spawn You could, you could spin to a lot of investors, I think. Uh, and then also like the other thing is that I, what I really like about this is imagine you did c- go through the trouble of qualifying a thousand parts, right? let's say you make mm-hmm. like a tire making machine or something and then you print out these thousand this library of thousand parts this will take you a long time you know I'm not saying I'm not trying to make it sound uh, easy <laughs> easier. but uh, then you could print out that library of parts very cost effectively uh in in 10 different locations so to me for that kind of MRO kind of stuff it's really exciting to, to do this as well
1: yeah certainly uh that's that's uh, the, the more you play around with the technology, and the more experience you get with different parts, different geometries you print, the, the, the your experience grows. Certainly, that's that's uh, that's uh, that's already what we're going to see with, with our customers with um, MedShape. They have uh, three of our printers running at the moment, and they they really. Uh, getting there to get uh, to the first and right, especially if the parts are quite similar and then you mm. uh, you have similar wall thicknesses and that's, that gets you there step by step.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, And that's also really interesting because that that's MetShape is also kind of a allied company, if you will, also together with you in this journey, right? They, they're a service, right?
1: Exactly. They're a service provider and they're also backed by uh, AM Ventures, which uh, is the AM Ventures, they are kind of bridging the gap from liters us to match and
0: and Incus. Okay, okay, Yeah. I thought that was a really interesting approach. I didn't expect that. And all of a sudden I'm mean, like they're, they're investing whole families of companies uh, essentially working on the same technology. And uh and then interestingly, of course, they they use light sources from also another company called Scanlab. Uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is also, also owned in part by <laughs> uh, by oh, Dr. Yeah, Langer as well uh, by Dr. Langer so my theory was always like anything that's not <laughs> anything that's not like uh, another kind of non uh, light source based technology it's, it's great right <laughs> but um so uh so uh you know what do you think your path forward is i mean i mean uh, it, it looks to me like you've got a really valuable printer but the biggest thing is, to me, you know, finding customers and, and acquiring them and getting them started—you know—that whole process. You know, what, what do you think the way forward is? You're just going to scale up little by little and try to find more customers, build a business, or what's what's the goal here?
1: Uh, I think, from a business point of view, we already had a very good uh, year 2021, and where we really had a, a where we kind of broke even as well. And but the next steps, we what what I see in my vision for Incas would be to really implement lithography for, for an industrial application. For instance, I, I told you before the dental brackets or having a, a, a med- medical device, which is manufactured with, with our technology really in, in masses. So we could in mm-hmm. some way uh, substitute uh, metal injection molding in a really, let's say a smaller scale up to maybe 50,000 pieces a year and something like that. So that's, that's what I would see from the Incus uh, that, that's where I see the increase technology happening in the next couple of years. Of course, that that takes a lot of finding the applications with the customers and developing uh, those applications. But we are on a good track for that already.
0: Okay, and from a technology viewpoint, what, what do you want? What do you hope to be achieving?
1: So for us, it's uh, we offering uh, our laboratory size print at the moment. It's the HemaLab 35 um and next year form next we want to launch our production system and the production system it's yeah similar to uh yeah capacities or similar throughput compared to yeah the larger binder jetting technologies you find out there at the moment so it's that to just show that lithography is not limited to to a minimum throughput you can also easily scale up lithography You, you see that if you're uh, you obviously are a 3D printing expert. You see the company. Also, Vienna-based uh, Cubicure. They're also doing lithography printing of uh, thermoplastic-like photopolymers and they just launched a very large production system based on lithography and, and their throughputs they are, they are showing are just phenomenal and this is something we are planning to do with metal lithography as well. But also not only, the the printer is only symbolic what you always, or what we are trying to do. It's really setting up the whole production line. As I said, you need the the, the decaking, you need the cleaning. And ideally you don't have, uh, you don't need manpower then to sort the parts to put them on the sintering tray. And this, Mm -hmm. this, all of this, all of those steps, they, they, they need to be developed.
0: Yeah. And then, and then uh, what I think is, it, it, do you think on the light-based, I mean, there's a lot more going on. We see already in like, we see like uh, lead, uh, we see LCD, we see lots and lots of different galvos, we see lots of different light sources. Do you think that the light sources are going to develop faster than like, for example, inkjet heads? Because at one point, inkjet heads are getting, you know, SAR and HP are going to improve them. Yeah. But do you really think that, that light, because it's using so many projection technologies and so many different kind of technologies, is going to go faster?
1: Um, there's certainly some development happening. I mean, the, the, since I'm in the lithography business, I think we have seen three generations of uh, DLP chips coming, which increase, further increase the resolution. Also, with the LED technology getting better and better, and also some uh, technologies or solutions where they combine two or three LEDs, you can also increase the intensities so the, or the light power of those systems. So, uh, I think there's much much more to come in this in this regard as well it, So obviously you have a large well,
0: advantage when the mass populace wants this technology for
1: other reasons and it just happens to work with yeah. their stuff so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our, our demands are also on the ceramic side they are quite yeah we, we need a very high light intensity so since with, with regular let's say call an unfilled resins you you can live with very minimal power, maybe 10, 20 milliwatts per square centimeter of light intensity. In our case, we need ideally 10 times more. And then you get a little bit, you shift from, let's say, the low cost printer engines to the more uh, industrial standard ones.
0: But I think one thing we haven't talked about is materials. I mean, is it, uh, you, you work right, uh, titanium, copper, uh, also precious metals, right? That, that's something that I. Uh, oh, I. You yeah, I know. I didn't. And it's also vague. It's super vague on the website as well. So I'm wondering about that. Yeah, so really. first of, of all, yeah, that's kind of vague. Is that intentional? or?
1: The, we have to be vague in this regard because most of the projects we're working with, uh, obviously the, uh, we have to make a secret about it. But uh, it was very interesting for us when we first got in contact with a Swiss watchmaker and then they came twice to us with two kilo, once with two kilo, kilograms of red gold powder. So it's kind of a <laughs> gold-copper mixture. And the uh, next uh-huh. uh, month later with white gold, so I think that's kind of a gold platinum. I'm not 100% sure of that. But printing that, having an armed guard on site, and uh, us, uh, also our application engineers in the laboratory, and it's the first time when you see it is this kind of, small amount of feedstock being worth uh, 100,000 euros, then then you think twice about the things you're going to do with it and how, how much you're going <laughs> to put in the print, uh, where you're going to really drop something on the floor, because obviously you should reduce the waste as much as possible, so that's, uh, that, that's quite interesting. So but we can show with our technology, printing is really the easy part. Uh, you can get to green parts quite easily if the powder morphology or so the particle size and if the shape is quite similar to, let's say, the 360 l or titanium we are using regularly, then it's quite easy to transfer that to uh, new developments, newer metals as well. So copper, tungsten, uh, precious metals are quite easily printed also already with the similar binder system. So there's not much alteration needed for that. But once again the bigger challenge then is the, the binding and sintering because different metals obviously need different sintering atmospheres. For stainless steel, you go you achieve best results, let's say with hydrogen or forming gas, which is five percent hydrogen, ninety five percent argon, copper you would like you see typically in, in, in nitrogen. So there are and, and titanium we go in high vacuum. So that's that's something you need to consider when you when you really think about uh, introducing sinter based additive manufacturing into the workshop which type of materials you want to do with which applications what kind of material properties do you need at the end and this really is most responsible for the for the costs or for the technology you need to invest in
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i I really like luxury goods industry for for i know there's lots lots more use now for things like molds and also things like uh, um yeah, they they make three D prints and put them inside leather, for example, and they also make the three D prints imprint on leather and stuff like this. And, mm-hmm. and the watchmakers have a lot of IP on on in three D printing as well, or not a lot, but some Richemont has uh, some IP and other people as well. And I know that they, they use it, and they never tell anyone about it. But I think it's it's a really exciting industry.
1: Also, it's uh, the, the the reduction of waste is obviously a big topic there. So. Uh... In, in our case since the the metal or the the gold powder is really bonded in the feedstock uh everything that you, you can easily retract it out of the other printer because the printer itself is hermetically sealed you cannot lose the the powder so everything you clean off basically you can retract again so they typically burn all the uh mm-hmm. all the t- uh, paper all the tissues you use for the cleaning the parts or so cleaning the the printer you just uh uh, uh, gather in a in a in a bag and then it's burned and the gold powder then is uh, extracted again. So that's that's mm. quite a, an interesting workflow they have.
0: Yeah, definitely for the if the yeah the 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 cost of their materials uh, mm. that can be very and sintering of course if you would do powder bed fusion you would have problems with uh recycling that uh, all, well not always but depends and are there like so are, is there an ideal shape is there like because the, the thing is like a uh, joke about like in powder Fusion, it's like if it's if it looks like an acetabular cup we can print it right and if, <laughs> if, if it looks like anything else then then like you know self-supporting dome is ideal right um but is there an ideal shape for your technology as well or
1: no but I typically say is that that deal shape is complex because uh, if you have let's say a standard cube or if you have a perfect sphere or something like that, you easily see any printing artifact. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you have a, let's say a more dendritic uh, or an organic structure, you can hide print effects quite easily. But if you say okay, mm-hmm. I really I'm only focusing on cubes and uh, assess the quality of the print with with uh, quite easy shapes, then those, those are then the more challenging parts, and you cannot hide any uh, print artifacts there. So other than that, with, with the printing itself, uh, we have on our hammer lab, on the laboratory size printer, a, a building uh, field of uh, about 90 times 56 millimeters. You can print the whole block, basically, or fill as many parts as you want. So the printing typically is not the, uh, the, the biggest issue. Uh, of course, you have some limitations when it comes to, to wall thicknesses. I mean, we can also we can also not trick physics. So depending on the aspect ratio, you can go down with the wall thickness to 0.1 millimeters. Let's say if you have uh, a uh, text on the surface, maybe even smaller. But it always depends on, on the part a little bit. But for us, the really USP is where we're always happy when we see when a customer comes to us They tried it in uh, other technologies, let's say in binder jetting, and then they come here with lithography because of the higher green strength. The part, the green part, works, and uh, then also typically the binding and sintering, especially for the smaller parts, is not the biggest challenge because gravity has not such a high influence.
0: Yeah, a lot of parts collapse in green state, right, In, in binder jet. So, and that's also like not something that people can simulate. So, yeah uh it's also great right. um so so gerald where, where do you hope to be in like five years where, where do you hope to bring the company to what state or to what place or
1: so we just celebrated our three-year anniversary of inkus uh and uh, that was quite, uh, quite a nice party so i'm very happy to be the the boss of a young motivated team and they are all doing a great job so the in the five years i hope that we can grow even faster at the moment we are uh, 25 people from 15 different nations, and I hope we can still set up inclus even more diverse and with uh, more experts from from different fields. And, of course, finding the industrial applications. That's uh, what we want to do. So, ideally, uh, finalizing the the work on the dental brackets, also um, on on certain medical devices. Because at the end, uh, I think that's also the the general... uh, theme in 3D printing. At the end the customer doesn't care about if it was manufactured additive or not. The part needs to perform, it needs to fulfill all the relevant criteria. And of course it should be yeah uh, economic to produce as well. And I hope we even get further to uh to to finding even more applications and set the inkers up for for this industrial standard we all want. Because our tagline at the end is uh, it's part of your production, and this this is what we want to achieve at the
0: end. Okay, okay. And then another thing I, I forgot to ask, but the the thing is, your Vienna is not or really seen as like or or Austria is not really seen as like a, a giant three D printing uh, uh, area Tell compared to like for example Germany or Holland got an early start in desktop, for example Germany got an early yeah. start in powder fusion. But specifically, I, 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 there's something like that. I, I kept thinking about like UpNano, right? Litos, yeah. uh, all these companies. So there's quite a bit of companies specifically coming uh, in from TU t- t- yeah. Green,
1: right? Yeah, the, there's a quite good, uh, let's say, a fruitful environment around the Technical University of Vienna. So per capita, Austria is number three in 3D printing companies. So that's, and also in Vienna, the, within all the the companies that spun out out of the working group from the uh, University of Vienna uh, They generate about 800 jobs at uh, 800 500 jobs at the moment so it's mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned before uh, obviously we have uh, Ritos, Incus. we have UpNano, we have Cubicure, we have uh, mm-hmm. way to Production, we have Genera so all of those mm-hmm. companies really focusing on their specific niche in the lithography based technology.
0: Yeah and so what is that they've been doing correctly I mean because it's uh, you're quite a big university, but but uh, technical <laughs> university, but not like you know MIT or something. There's much bigger ones out there. So so, what is the university doing so well to encourage these companies to 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 spin out or to 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 get yeah. you know to to get started?
1: Yeah, I think the work environment that Professor uh, Jürgen Stumpfel offers in his working group is just a very uh, yeah very motivating for those young professionals to to uh, get the business on their own. So maybe. That's he would be a good candidate to to interview next in a, one of the following podcasts.
0: Cool, we'd love to actually. That's a great idea. That's a really really good idea. Uh, I, uh, yeah, he's he's got his own little. He's he's essentially building like a three D printing ecosystem around himself oh, yeah. in Vienna. So
1: you so can we should totally we friends, should totally,
0: yeah. totally <laughs> interview. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Gerald. Thank you so much for being here today and uh, uh, with us today. It was, it was a real pleasure.
1: Yeah, likewise. Thanks for being here, guys.
0: And uh, yeah, and uh, thank you uh, for being here again, Max.
1: Always. Fascinating.
0: And thank you for listening. Uh, this is another episode of the 3D Pod. Have a great day.
1: You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.